Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach, and welcome to episode 25. Um, today we're going to look at um, guiding behavior with the learner profile. Now, as we're heading towards the end of the school year for our um, teachers in the Southern Hemisphere and mid-year for those in the Northern, we're thinking about, you know, behavior and how we're going to manage that, you know, get students on track um, as we're resetting um, either for the new calendar year or for the new school year. And there's no magical tool to stop undesired behavior. Just love for your students. And when you don't like your students, they know it. They know it. And so we're going to look at what are ways that we can guide um, behavior with the learner profile. Now, I reflect a lot back because um, this helps my brain. Um, my last year in Dubai, I remember um, this class clearly. I taught fifth grade. Um, I, prior, I had taught fourth grade and I looped up. And I had only two of the same students. Um, but my team heavily talked about particularly the boys in this group. Um, they were a little bit naughty. And they had a reputation of being very rough and tough. Uh, one boy in particular was in the office every day. And so when I um, moved up, I got my roster of 18 boys and 10 girls. So you imagine what that felt like. And when I went through that roster, I found out that I did in fact have the naughtiest boys in the grade level. And my mom, who was a retired teacher, she was the one I called all the time when I had questions and also I had my woes. And I remember calling her when I found out about this, you know, class roster in a panic tone, freaking out. And I just remember my mom's response. It was rather priceless. She said, I know you're receiving some challenging boys, but you must forget everything that every other teacher has told you about them. You must love them. You need to set their boundaries and remember their children who are still developing into good humans. And I said, but mom. And she said, no, but mom, you need to love these students. Wipe the slate clean and love them. And, you know, no one likes to be, you know, feel like they're being censured by their mommy. But, you know, and here I am, a grown woman. Um, but I followed her advice and it was the best thing I ever did because I focused on developing relationships, new relationships with these students, with every child, you know, and we started off by giving them nicknames, you know, Sandro for Sandy, uh, Rakan for Ricky. They weren't naughty. I'm just saying in just in general. So in case they're listening, you know, or their parents, um, but giving them a sense of identity, right? Because I think that's really something that's so important with our kiddos, you know, but at the same time, I set the boundaries, the rules, like, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. And, you know, I also gave them an opportunity to have class meetings where we could talk and work through things. We also gave them responsibilities. Um, it was the best year of doing classroom economy because I set up the classroom as neighborhoods within the, the city and they all had jobs. And, you know, 
depending on how close you were to the resources in the room, depended on the level of rent. Location, location, location. So I had students who were taking on two jobs, trying to make um, rent. And if not, they got evicted and they had to sit on uh, plush cushions on the floor. It was fantastic. It was a really great learning experience. But at the end of it all, it was about allowing the students to demonstrate agency of the learning. This was really hard for me because, you know, as teachers, we're control freaks. Um, but I allowed them to build a relationship with me, see me beyond my role as the educator. But I also allowed them to show me their role beyond being a student, allowing them to make mistakes and revisit their behavior authentically. It was one of the best years of my teaching career. I still think of those students. You know, and that one of the, that boy I was talking about that was constantly being sent to the office for his ill behavior in fourth grade. He only went to the office once in fifth grade. And he did a silly thing. It wasn't kind, but it wasn't, you know, the worst thing possible. And what was really interesting is we had built a relationship so much that I could honestly tell him I was so disappointed that he marred his perfect year. And it brought him to tears because he knew that I held him up to, I had such trust in him and that that marred that perfection of that trust. We got over it. We ended the year beautifully. But I think that was a changing point for that child and for me, that the level of relationships that you have with students change everything. And we must build these relationships with our students in order to get the best out of them. And I know many teachers say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's so important. That's so important. But I see a lot of teachers around me who don't know their students beyond their role as a student. And I think there's so many missed opportunities for growth because a relationship has not been established. So building relationships is key with establishing and guiding behavior in, in your classroom. So what do I mean in, by relationship? I mean that the child is able to see beyond the role of teacher. They don't look at you as a just the teacher. They're able to look at you as a daughter or a son. They're able to look at you as a student, as a lifelong learner, an artist, whatever may that may be, a dreamer and a friend. And do I mean be, be their best friend? No. But you have to show the vulnerability and the multifacets of yourself so that they then feel comfortable to show that in the classroom. It goes both ways. And so when we're able to get to this point, we can unlock the magical potential within our learners. You know, begin slowly with a learner profile through shared experiences, through writing prompts, through class discussions and paired sharing. So that, you know, in the beginning, it's going to be very vulnerable. They're going to be you know, a lot of kids are going to be shy about sharing personal stuff, but they don't mind doing it with a partner. They're, you know, a friend. Then once you get there, hold regular class meetings or restorative circle meetings. 
you know, where you address the current issues that are an obstacle in their learning. You know, the this, wow, game changer for me. The class, you know, openly talks about issues that are happening in a safe space. And the teacher, that's you sharing your vulnerability. This is a powerful tool that can open up even the shyest and most reluctant learners because they know what happens in the circle stays in the circle. And what really happens as a result of a restorative circle is that, you know, we start to see each other in different lenses. You know, the class clown is no longer just the class clown. They're also a gifted artist. You know, the the troublemaker, the bully, well, they open up about why they're a bully and what are their vulnerabilities. And I just think that that um, leads to so much potential. And when you become more proficient, you compose prompts centered around the learner profile so students can make, you know, those relevant uh, connections to those attributes where you're just saying, how can, you know, how can you be more open-minded to other ways people are doing things? That's deeper than are you be, how can you be more caring or empathetic, right? It's still equally valid, but we build up by exposing and asking deeper questions. We can also build relationships by holding private conferences to gauge, you know, where are students at the moment? This is something that um, entrepreneurs know, that they have to touch the pulse of the people they work with because our needs change at such a rapid rate. What we need at the beginning of the year is not necessarily what we need at the middle or the end. And you know, that also applies to our fears, our hangups, our successes, our celebrations, all of those things change. And having our students identify their needs with the learner profile is a powerful thing. And, you know, one way you can possibly do this is getting students to make statements or goals. It's like, I want to develop more conceptual knowledge in fractions and apply them to real life situations. That's how you can then have students articulate what are some of my obstacles and how can I, you know, create a a goal that's aligned with the learner profile that's gonna help me. So that's where knowing the descriptor really matters. Another way of building relationships is allowing students to have a bit more agency during the day because this now, shows that you trust your learners, that they're going to act accordingly, and that they're going to get the most out of the learning experience. We can do this in an individual setting. If you're, you know, if you're a little frightened at the beginning, that's all right. Or small group settings. This is perfect when you're doing workstations. You know, you can allow for more choice, giving, if they're at a station, give two choices, you know, so that it's a little bit more student-driven. You're still guiding the process. You know, our reflections can be now broader. Have children make a podcast, videos, audios, blogs, journals. It doesn't have to just be one-dimensional. We can get them to do passion projects through Genius Hour, um, you know, iTime, all of these things, right? And... The ultimate goal here is to have them identify an attribute they're using while developing agency in their learning. 
This will make the reflective process a bit easier and more enriching. So what's another way that we can help children with the behavior? I bet you, seriously, I bet you that 70% of your behavior problems go down when you build relationships with your students and you make that a priority. The times I didn't, I had behavior problems out the wazoo. The times I freaked out about what I was teaching and became like a content teacher instead of an inquiry teacher, my behavior went through the roof. You've got to figure out what's going to be right for you, but every child needs to know their teacher has them. There should never be a child that says, my teacher doesn't get me. Never, right? Because that right there is that's how you hook them into um, owning their experience. But then what if a child has that? but they're still struggling, right? My experience, this is just me, behavior issues become more evident when students are bored or frustrated by the way we as the teacher are teaching the content. Students act out to deflect the learning they don't want to do, which heightens our frustration as a teacher. And I've noticed that the times that I've succumbed to outside pressures to teach a certain way, to teach certain methods that was not best for kids, my behaviors rose exponentially. And here's some possible ways to set some behavior goals to get your students back on track. Because we have to think of it from the lens of um, best intentions. Our kids are not acting out because they want to act out and to cause havoc in your room. They are acting out because they're just like a baby when they cry. That acting out behavior is saying, I have a need that is not being met. And so let's look at how we can utilize the learner profile to help them make some goals to get back on track. So I think these are all my ideas. Um, The things that I think are valuable is that we co-create learner profile um, behavior goals for a short duration of time short duration of time. Have students reflect on the areas they still need to improve on. So they can, you know, they have the buy-in to the process because they self-select. And then allow the student to create the goal length and co-create a success criteria of what needs to be met in order to move on. Now, um, this right here, so powerful, right? I talked about before how I used to have kids make goals. This is so important. And that's why I'm reiterating it. Also, thinking about behavior is co-design, co-design a learner profile behavior chart that students use to self-monitor their progress throughout the day. You know, the duration, depending on how out of control they are or attention seeking or whatever it might be should be talked to and determined by the student because they're going to be able to self-assess. This is how we get children to self-assess and self-adjust their behavior and their thinking is that we allow them to come up with the duration. Kids will be able to tell you, you know what? I need to be able to reflect in the morning and in the afternoon because I know that there's a difference in my performance during these times. I need to be able to see the trends. A child might tell you, you know what? 
I think I'm okay. I think I just need to do this daily. Another student might say, you know what? Every other day, let's spot check or weekly. And in the beginning, students may, you know, self-regulate more frequently. And that is absolutely okay until they get a handle on the undesired behavior and turn it around. And this is very important. Um, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't the most consistent. And I think that this is something that is a growth area for me is meeting regularly to discuss the progress of the learning learner profile behavior goals, allow students to determine the meeting schedule. They remind you of when that schedule is, because this will ensure that they're ready to move forward with next steps. And the last way that I think really helps um, with guiding behavior um, in the class with the learner profile is reflecting on the behavior itself. We know reflections of our vital part of the PYP, but do we get them to reflect when they're doing, you know, participating in undesired behavior? Are we having a systematic and regular process of how students reflect and own what they do. So here's a simple tool that I've learned along the way that you can help students take ownership of their mistakes and make goals for the future. So the first question is that I have on my reflection sheet is what did I do? We have to have students own what they did. They need to explain what's the undesirable behavior they demonstrated to someone else. This right here is a huge part of growing as a young person. Owning our mistakes takes courage instead of blaming someone else. And that courage needs to be reinforced with a positive. Thank you so much for owning what you did. Next question. Why did I do it? Now we're getting to the deeper issue of why the student performed the undesired behavior. This allows them to self-assess. Why did I do this thing? What did I, you know, not what did I gain, but why did I do it? What's the driving motivator? Oh, my mom yelled at me today. So I hit another kid, right? Or I had a fight with that child at recess, so I hit him in the classroom right? The, there's always a reason of why the undesired behavior happened. Then here's where you can pull in the learner profile. What can I do better? Ask students to reflect on alternative actions they can take and align it with the learner profile. So let's say we're talking about the situation with the students. You know, they get in a little scuffle over a game they're playing and then they have a physical altercation in class. We don't want that. That's undesired behavior. But then asking them, okay, all right, was that principled? How, now let's reflect on it, on what we can do differently through the different lens of the learner profile attributes. So are we looking at principled behavior? How can I do it differently? Am I going to look at it from the lens of caring? How it can be more caring? Am I going to look at it from being more open-minded that someone else has a different way of thinking, right? So asking students to reflect on the alternative actions they can take and align it with the learner profile is so important. So here's an example. Next time I'll be more caring when I speak to others. 
Okay. We want children to go through this process of being able to articulate. I guarantee you, if you follow these three um, protocols, your behavior issues are going to go down because now the children know you are invested in them and not invested in teaching them. Difference. I've created some reflection sheets. They're on my website in the resources section on thinkchat2020.weebly.com. It's attached into the body of the text of this podcast. I hope you use it and modify it. And if you have some better ways of doing it, please send me messages either through my social, through Twitter, um, ThinkChat2020, or reply directly to my website. I would love to get more ideas from you. Talk to you soon.